Hello again, everybody. This is Lance Russell with Championship Wrestling with another big week. Join us right now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Double Drop Kick Show. I'm Heath Mullican. And I'm Mark Whitman. And we're, <laughs> we're just hanging out today. We watched a little bit of Cannonball Run. Yeah. We watched, we just been watching stuff. We're watching on YouTube. We're, we're waiting. It's July 24th. We're stalling to get to the GCW Homecoming Show. Because we just want to watch something different. Yeah. Um, but now, this is not going to be something. This is, we're going to link to this. Uh, from Mid-Atlantic Mid Championship Wrestling Classics, mm -hmm. Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, U.S. title match, Andre the Giant, a special guest referee. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna hit, I'm going to hit start, and then we're not going to do commentary. We're just going to talk about this match and uh, maybe do a little commentary too. So we've watched. We just watched Flair and Valentine versus the Andersons. Yes. With a. The finish where they get tripped, they trip over the knockdown referee, and I guess Ole makes the pin, yeah. falls on top of Flair, and it just kind of out, out of, of a nowhere. suplex attempt. Yeah, uh, where the fans would say, "Well, they botched that finish," but that was that's looked pretty realistic. That's exactly how right. something like that would have happened. Yeah, exactly. All right, here we go. We get we got uh, Andre the Giant in the corner, and where do you, uh, you think Andre got his clothes at? I don't know. They all had to be custom made. You would think, because like it's hard for me to find clothes. I can't imagine what it's like for a guy like Andre the Giant. Yeah, he had to have known the people. Now Flair has taken the microphone. <laughs> That's one of my women's. What Flair said, and Andre's like, "Oh my woman." <laughs> I'm this is about from that woman over there. This is from 1978, and uh, I guess this is Andre the Giant ready to come in, and he's just dressed Man. in. He's huge. Look at how big his hands are. Yeah. Andre the Giant's hand is as big as Ricky Steamboat's head. Not as big as Adam Cole's head, though. No. Oddly enough. <laughs> it would take Andre two hands to palm Adam Cole's head. I'm sure we'll see a Conrad Thompson special on where this robe is. Probably. Now, this is from the, the lost... Cornet Crockett tapes, but they're now on YouTube and everywhere. And you yeah, and most of the footage that you see is from that er those arena shows back then. That is uh, yeah. from the, the the Cornet tapes that he say he pulled them out of the trash can. Pretty much, they'd set them on the curb to throw them away, and he went and got them. This is eleven years before some of their best work. Uh, sure not if you ask around. Well, it's not eleven years. Well. If you ask around anybody that was sitting in the front row of those arenas back then, they'll tell you this was better. Andre may have helped Steambo out there, and Andre's letting him know. You don't, yeah, hey, don't do that again. And Flair, incredulous over what just happened. 
and just taking his time. Nobody takes their time anymore. They take too much time now. Well, they'd be standing there waiting for him to dive on them. That's what I mean. Right. The wrestling now is the, watching a ladder match the other night, and I thought, you know, in 2021, nobody sells anything that they need to lay outside the ring for 12 minutes during right, a ladder match. Right. And the crowd going crazy, just Flair trying to... <laughs> Andre just gave him a little push and Flair sold it all the way to the outside. <laughs> but Flair just trying to do the little amateur riding and Steamboat gets out of it and the crowd pops for that. Yeah. So one of us sort of talked. Well, do you think <laughs> do you think Andre when they were coming in, Andre was singing along to their entrance music? Yeah. I don't think they would have had entrance music. Right. Oh, yeah. Andre. God, he's huge. You think? <laughs> yeah, he definitely clears the top rope. Lots of skipping around yeah, in a lot this. Of I bet you they went. If they didn't go an hour, I bet they went 35, 45 minutes. Right, right. I think this video is 10 minutes. Yeah. Andre trying to get Flair out of the corner. But, again, just there's so much there, – there's so much you can do with dramatic pacing in a match, and it just feels like so many shows now it's just rushed. But you could – there's not that anymore. There's right. not – you know, a lot of these shows you would go to, you know, there might be five matches. Right, right. And the first four, would all of them would be under ten minutes. Or right. you'd have time for this. Yeah, that's very true. You know, now, you watch a show like AEW, man, you got two hours and you got enough people to fill about 15 hours a week. Right. And fans are not patient anymore. No, that's very true. You know, I hear it now. Somebody, oh, man, that match was way too long. That match went too long. It was 12 Says minutes. who? Yeah. Says who that it was too long. It was how long it was. Oh, Ricky Steamboat, man. His back is huge. Yeah. He is, he's just in phenomenal shape. Still. Right. This crowd is just, it's been at a fever pitch this entire match. Where does the term fever pitch come from? What's that? I don't know. That'd be a good, that's, isn't that your, you're the yeah, thesaurus. Usually, usually I'm the one that comes up with that. I would just be curious. I, you hear terms like that. Uh, Got him in the corner. Oh, man, those big chops. A state of intense excitement and agitation. Well, I know what it means. 18 
first known use of it, 1846. But I don't, that's all I see. The first known use of fever pitch was in 1846. Huh. Well, thanks for the insight, Dr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard, I should say. It must have been something to do with, uh, I don't know, baseball or something. Was baseball around in 1846? I don't know. No. Now I'm going to have to look that up. Well, I think I... What have you got there? Uh, fever pitch. Here, you talk for just a second. Flair's got Steamboat by the hair. Andre checking on Steamboat, making sure he's all right. Flair pounding away, and Andre still right there talking to Steamboat. And Andre may want to end this, but Steamboat saying no. Steamboat now trying to get to his feet as Flair is just hunting him down. Well, there's that big chop. Oh, and Steamboat with a chop. Flair with a knee. Steamboat off the ropes, uses the momentum for a diving double chop. Never seen that before. And now it's Flair on the defensive, and Steamboat to his feet. Steamboat went up for one of the highest elbows I've seen, but Flair able to move out of the way. Andre the Giant just drank six beers. Now Flair going to that patented knee across the head. This I'm trying to figure out which uh, auditorium this would have been. The best I can come up with is actually a musical term for about changing the pitch about ah, okay. to a higher intensity. That's the first wrestling move we've really seen in this. We've been watching this about seven minutes. There's a okay. vertical suplex. So, explain to me what a wrestling move would be. As as because far be it from me for you to not tell me the greatest of all time and possibly the greatest in ring worker of all time. <laughs> I would like for you to let me know what wrestling moves they should be doing. I wasn't saying it was good or bad. Uh-oh. Andre caught Flair coming off the top rope. And that now, I will say this. Andre intervened and he shouldn't have there. He shouldn't have. But shouldn't he? If you're not supposed to come off of the top rope. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know what the rules are during this time. If I had to guess, being in mid-Atlantic in the 70s, yes, you, you shouldn't come off the top rope. Classic flair. I mean, you had to know. Like, if I had gone and sat down beside one of those fans and said, man, over the next 11 years, these guys are going to have some of the greatest matches ever, they would say, well, I'm watching one of the greats right now. They would yeah. say, they would say, her. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here watching yeah. the, this match right now between them. I can see how good it is. 
Andre's like, you got thrown over the top rope. There's the police. Sit down, sit down. Well, it appears, again, these are all incomplete matches, and it, it automatically went to Andre the Giant and Black Jack Mulligan versus Ric Flair and Ken Patera. I, you know, the late 80s, even as much as I read and, and have tried to learn about Crockett before we started watching, like, everybody. Like, Paul, like, I was reading something about Paul Orndorff, how they were like, he should have been an NWA champion. Like, he had great runs in Mid-Atlantic that you just, mm. I was just unaware of. Um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Randy Savage was there as a as an enhancement guy. Oh wow! Mm-hmm, I think I'm pretty pretty confident about that. Uh, Jimmy Snuka obviously was there, right? Um, oh, but like you know, all the it really is true. Like uh, McMahon just picked picked yeah, you know, picked uh, uh, you know, and that's the same thing. Tony Khan, you know, Tony Khan's going to all the. Smaller promotions and just yeah. picking their best just talent. Just picking the, you know, raiding the Indies. I mean, raiding, you know, Daniel Bryan raiding guys like him and Aleister Black. Uh, and, I mean, that's what Malachi are, Black. What are these other promotions supposed, supposed to do? These little small mom and pop promotions. I mean, it's a family operation. What's, it really is. And Stanford, right. Connecticut. How are they supposed to compete? <laughs> what are they going to do? Like, they don't have any international superstars that are in the movies. <laughs> or anything like that. They're going to be like in a the, world. It's not like they have like the number one box office draw. <laughs> you know, right. in the past 20 years is one of their, is probably going to be coming back soon. How, well, how's it, how's the rock coming back going to help WWE? Right. Right. Really. I, I mean, mean, honestly, does anybody even know who that is? Nobody. And look, maybe, Vin, <laughs> maybe they can bring in Vin Diesel to kind of show him how to work. How, how is the rock coming back going to compete? When AEW is bringing in guys like Nick Gage, Warhorse. <laughs> right. I mean. Uh, it's Mark, not fair, really. It's not fair. Somebody should say to Tony Khan, you're hurting the business. Slow down. You're killing the business. You're kid. killing the business. Stop it. Stop raiding our talent. Stop it. Just stop. <laughs> you look silly. <laughs> I mean, he's hiring all these guys from Japan and. Yeah. Uh, you're you're right, man. Mid- <laughs> you can just stop right there, period. <laughs> you're right, period. Uh, this is actually uh, pretty long. I think it's an 82 video playlist of different Mid-Atlantic. Uh, it's different YouTube channels, but we'll definitely link to that flair. I'm sure they cut out the best parts of the match. It looked like. Steamboat won by disqualification. Flair threw him over the top rope. I think that's another thing you're missing today is, is like the champion, the heel champion could get heat by getting disqualified just by throwing a guy over the top rope. Yeah, but everybody's so smart now. When you do a disqualification, they get mad. Right. They feel like you gypped them. Oh, that was BS. You know, they chant. Like, it's just a different thing now. It was better when the fans weren't so smart. They didn't think they knew everything, and they thought that they knew what was best. It was just better back then because you could do that, and people got mad at Ric Flair. Right. Now, if you do that, they get mad at whoever's booking it, you know? Right, right, right. 
They don't. It they puts don't. heat on the promotion and the and the booker, so to speak. Uh, and it doesn't put any on the on the guy in the ring. And when they do get mad at the re- a heel wrestler for doing something, they're mad that they're mad at the heel wrestler when that's who you're supposed to be mad yeah, at. Yeah. It's like, oh, the heel wrestler may be mad. He did something wrong. No, mm-hmm. that's what they're supposed to do. Yep. It's just hard to – the Memphis heat is over. Oh, you think? Yeah, it's – the good old days of wrestling are over. Yeah, you'll not see that again. I think that's why in regional promotions, when they're able to get any kind of heat, uh, it it makes it seem that much more better. Yeah. Because it's so hard to do it mm-hmm. uh, nowadays. Now, I definitely feel like a local promotion – like a can do, can do heat, because a lot. Let's be honest, a lot. Of, yeah, right a lot here. of the fans that come to the shows around here, they're smart but not smart. Like right. they know, they right. know what's up, but they still get mad at what you want them to get mad about. That's right. They can still be manipulated. Yeah, correct. So. I'm giving you some money. You're starting a local promotion. What do you do to get heat with a local crowd? I'm not talking about TV. Not talking about smart marks. Local mom and pop. How you getting the people in picking South Carolina mad? How you building heat to make them pay to come back? I mean, I think you see it sometimes. You, you actually have some rules, right? And then you have somebody who breaks them. Yeah, and that's really it's not that hard, right? It's just not. It's not as hard as people want to make it. Yeah. You, but you got to have some rules. Right. You have to have good referees enforcing those rules. Yes. Yes. You know? And then when somebody breaks those rules, you think you tell the people in the opening match, you're not going outside the ring. Yeah. You're not getting up and jumping off the top rope and landing on somebody outside of the ring. You're not doing that in the opening match. Right. Right. You know? And you tell people. Maybe ban the pile driver so that when somebody uses a pile driver, right. it doesn't have to be a pile driver. You, you know, you sell a few things. Yeah. Uh, somebody said one time that if if everybody stopped doing the headlock, uh huh, for a year, and then a guy like Mark Henry came out and used the headlock, he yeah. could use it as a finish. Right. Right. And you protect it. And you don't do it when you're not going to beat somebody with it. Right. I don't know. It's not that hard, man. Wrestling's not that hard. You create rules. Right. You have somebody who breaks them behind somebody's back. Right. You have, you have referees who enforce those rules. Yeah. So I heard a story, because uh, you know Boomer does the thing where he wears the chain around his neck. Mm-hmm. And he was going to work a show, and the referee was like, hey, I'm going to catch you with the chain tonight. And Boomer's like, no, you're not. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Yeah. Like that's not your your job. Your job is to intentionally not catch not me. Not catch me, right? But the referee was like, and again, this referee because the referee wanted hit the wanted his moment, right? And that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. The referee wanted his moment. He didn't understand his role, and he doesn't ref a whole lot anymore. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, yeah, I just I think there's. Uh, 
so much still that could be done in local wrestling. Um, yeah, that uh, you could still build people up to a fever pitch. Uh, but I still see even local promotions booking for a pop. Mm-hmm. And they, th- I remember being in a show, and they were telling me, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're doing this, 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 and then this guy's gonna come out, and it's gonna get a pop." And I remember watching it, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. It got like a, it got a fizzle. It got a fizzle. I mean, a few people were like, the, you know, there were a few people that knew who it was, mm-hmm. and then everybody else was like, "Okay, why should I care about this?" Right. And that's the thing, make you gotta make people care. You gotta give them a re- reason mm-hmm. to care. And that's on the booker. That's on the talent. That's on everything. You got to make people care. And I think they should format their shows so that that I can understand what's going on. Because I don't follow it. Right. I don't follow it. I don't know who these guys are that are supposed to be a big deal. But right. They, but wrestling's not their primary um, way of making money. Right. You know. Yeah. I don't know these guys who. There's a chance they might not be here. Right. Saturday because they might have to work their regular job. Right, right, you know? right. Um, I don't know who these guys are, so you have to tell me at your show. And I think when I'm, you know, when we have done commentary, I, we've done commentary where you're like, I don't know this guy, you're, but during mm-hmm. the commentary, I'm telling, I'm trying to tell the story. I'm trying, but to the fans that are there live, yeah. they're not hearing the commentary. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of booking is done. Not for the live crowd, but they're booking like okay, the, the people here on the commentary, this and this and this. No, they're not and, booking for that. Either. They're booking to amuse themselves. Well, this is true too. This is true too. Um, they're not booking anything for the commentary team. Well, no. What I mean is, they're. I guess they're. They're taking for granted that people know. Like every wrestler mm-hmm. takes for granted. Oh, these people know who I am. Yeah, no, they, they know don't. who I am. No, they don't. They nobody don't. knows. Who nobody is. knows. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody knows and nobody cares. Now go get in your fifteen-year-old beater and go home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I res- the people that I respect in wrestling and the independent are the people. That are having fun doing it. Right. You know. They have no delusions of grandeur. Right, man. Like, I got, I have a lot of fun with a lot of the, a lot of guys. Man. Yeah. That's a shirt. I have a lot of fun with a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I'm all right with it. I'd wear the shirt. Um, but, I don't know where I was going with that. You it's gotta, just, you know, you got to know who you are, man. Right, and the people right. that know who they are, I get along with. Um, you know, people who are not taking time away from their kids and their families for this stuff. People who are not taking time away from having a good, steady income for this stuff. Right, right. You know, I can get along with those folks. Yeah. These dolphins got me mesmerized. Yeah, I know. They're kind of hard to concentrate. We're watching on the Apple TV, and it's on the screensaver. And, and it is amazing. We, Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm in the water right now. I, like, I want to break the surface. I don't 
I'm told Drake, I'm like, this these graphics are great. He's like, this is actual footage. I'm like, how did they get this actual footage? This is not actual footage. That's what somebody said. How is this? This can't be fake. Can it be? <laughs> yeah, of course it can. Do you think the Hulk and the uh, Marvel movies is real? Now that's real. That's probably real. That's I a drone. That's real. I don't know. I don't know if it is or if it ain't. But those dolphins didn't look real to me. Well, it's still real to me. And this show's still real to me. And what the reality is, is we got to go get supper. We got to get ready. We're watching our first GCW pay-per-view tonight. There's something swimming in the water. Where do you see it? You don't see it. It's, uh, look, look where the bridge, right before the bridge, and watch. Right in the middle. Huh? It's about to go under the bridge. I don't see it. You don't see that? Look in the shadow of the building. No, I don't see it. Get up there and point it out. Maybe there's a just, ah, you know what that is? What? It's fingerprint smudged on your your TV. (laughs) But it looked like there was something swimming in the water. (laughs) Oh, man. Well. Yeah, once I moved, they went away. I had to see what it is now. Oh, man. now Now everybody knows I'm a moron. Well. I'm a nerd. All my <laughs> friends are nerds. So, hey, thanks for listening to the Double Drop Kick Show. We're recording a bunch today. It's like the sixth episode. We have passed 300 episodes. Uh, you need to go. We recorded. We're recording like a bunch of episodes on the 24th of July in the year of our Lord 2021. Patreon.com slash Double Drop Kick. We release some content there. Pretty much three to five days a week you get content there. That reminds me, I got something I recorded yesterday on Patreon. I need to put up some uh, some news you're not going to hear anywhere else. But How about uh, people you're not going to care about. Well, this is actually involves uh, Netflix. Oh, for real? Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. Spoiler alert. So uh, for the Double Dropkick Show, I am Heath Mulligan, and I am Mark Whitman. And that's it this week, fans. So long for now.